thank you for joining us in this way on this very special day on our Christian calendar. May your time with us be blessed and may you experience and understand Christ in a new and meaningful way. We have a special service planned for you this Christmas. We do hope that you'll enjoy it. Hey everyone, if you have your Bibles here, please won't you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6, where we as a church have been journeying for the last few weeks leading up to Christmas. And just while you're turning there, just to remind you, we're not going to be having any services on Sunday the 27th of December, but please continue to join us online from January the 3rd onwards. So early on in our marriage, Bianca and I had to put up a large shelf in one of our rooms, and I had to go underneath the shelf and drill some holes. As I was doing that, a speck of sawdust fell into one of my eyes, and if that's ever happened to you, you would know how painful and how uncomfortable it was. Not only was I dealing with the pain and the discomfort of every time I tried to look or every time I blinked, I could feel this thing moving around my eye, but I also had to deal with the fact that for the next few hours, I pretty much had to live with only one eye. All right, I can't remember how that story ended. I can't remember how we got the splinter out. But needless to say, I'm so grateful to be looking at you with both of my eyes today. Now that's one type of seeing, where we're physically using our eyes to see the physical world around us, but there are other ways of seeing, other ways we use this word seeing in our English language. For example, when you meet someone for the first time, you start off by seeing them with your eyes, by taking them in, hopefully learning their name and learning to recognize them the next time you see them and call him by their name. But as you get to know them, you start to see them in new ways. You start to see their character. You start to see truly who they are. You start to see their strengths and you start to see their weaknesses. Now, maybe further down the line, you actually marry one of these people and then you really start to see this person. You really start to see deeper and deeper layers of who this person is, deeper layers of their strengths and unfortunately, deeper layers of their weaknesses at the same time. Now, this Christmas, we've been looking at one verse Just like Isaiah, who wrote this 700 years before Jesus, was looking forward to the coming of Christ, what we would now call Christmas, so this verse has helped us look forward to now what we're celebrating, Christmas Day, the birth of Jesus Christ. And what we've been doing is we've been unpacking these verses in a great amount of detail. We've been taking some words and some phrases that are almost cliche to us because they're in our Christmas songs, right? We, we've heard these phrases so many times, but we've been trying to squeeze them for all they're worth. We've been trying to dig deep and fully understand all that they mean and the rich theology that there is. And I love doing that. Personally, I love going deeper and deeper and deeper into what the Word has to show us and all the riches that there is if we're prepared to dig deep enough. Now, that's only one way of seeing. But all of that means absolutely nothing until we are moved from seeing a two-dimensional version of Jesus to a point where we actually begin beholding Him where we actually are moved by him and we begin worshiping him. 
I've heard a number of theologians say that the goal of theology is doxology, where theology is the right understanding of Scripture. All right, we understand it with our minds, we can read it with our eyes. But then doxology is giving glory to God. And so we have to go from seeing this, the text, we've got to go from hearing the sermons and actually worshiping God with our hearts. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at this text one more time, but hopefully we're going to be moved to doxology. Hopefully we're going to be moved from seeing to beholding and to actually worshiping God. So let's read today Isaiah 9, verses 6. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, a few weeks ago, it was evening, and I looked through the windows, and I just realized that there was a beautiful sunset on the go. All right, and not just a normal beautiful sunset in the side of our garden where the sun normally goes down, but it was as if the entire dome of the sky was saturated in pinks and purples and oranges. I saw a number of you actually posted some pictures of that sunset on social media that night. And so I wanted to capture this because it was moving on pretty quickly. It literally lasted for a few minutes. And so I took out my phone. And I was looking at my screen, and then I was looking at the sky, and then I was looking back at my screen, and then I was looking at the sky, and eventually I put my phone away. I didn't take a single photo, because I realized there was no photo that I could take that could actually capture the beauty of the scene and the vista that I was experiencing at that point in time. Maybe you've experienced that, where you've been on holiday and, and you've just seen something majestic or something powerful or a scenery that you just wish you could forever capture. And so you've taken a photo and years later you've gone back and looked at that photo and you've just realized, man, this photo is beautiful, but it falls so far short of what I actually saw and experienced at the time. And I believe that the same thing can happen with us and with Jesus. We can read the verses. We can hear the words. We can hear the sermons. We can even go, great sermon, Craig, or great sermon, Steve. And we can shrug our shoulders and go home unmoved. Because we're not really seeing. We're not really perceiving all that there is there. And for that reason, we're not really being moved and we're not really worshiping. And so today I want to give you three very easy, very practical points to help us go from the rich theology we've unpacked in the last few weeks and to go from seeing and taking what we've heard and taking what we've read and taking what we've learned and go to beholding where we really begin to see the fullness of who Jesus is, where we go from kind of linear, two-dimensional version of Jesus to a rich, multi-dimensional view and experience of who Jesus is. And so here's the first thought for you, and the first thought for you is this. Number one, you need to really ask. You need to really ask. We need to start by being convinced that we really want this. 
We need to become bored with our linear experience of Jesus. We really do. We need to realize there is more of him to know. We need to realize there is more of him to experience. And we need to want that. And then we need to really ask God to do something. Because the only way we go from seeing to beholding is if God does something to us. Paul prays this for the church in Ephesus. I've prayed this for us at Riverside a number of times where Paul says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. And then he goes on to list a number of wonderful things that we can know about Jesus. But God needs to do something. Maybe we can see the text. Maybe we can hear the sermons. That's one way of knowing. But in order to go to beholding and perceiving, God needs to enlighten the eyes of our heart. God needs to do something. Paul is praying to God to do something in this church. I need to pray for God to do something in my heart, for God to do something in your hearts so that the eyes of your hearts are enlightened and that you can truly begin to actually perceive the fullness of who God is. He prays this prayer for the church in Colossae. Very similar prayer. He says in Colossians 1 verses 9, and this is my prayer. Again, he's asking God to do something. And this is my prayer that your love may abound. All right. One of the fruits of what God does in our hearts is that there's more love, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insights. Now, whenever, the, well, most of the time that the Bible talks about knowledge, it's not talking about the facts. It's talking about the personal knowledge of the actual person. Yes, how we get to know this person will line up with the facts. But we're talking about a multidimensional experience of that person. That is what Paul means by growing in knowledge here. Then he also talks about growing in depth of insights. This reminds me, just a number of nights ago, the 21st of December, a, none of you, a number of you were pretty excited to see this incredibly rare phenomenon. It hasn't happened for 800 years. The so-called Christmas star, all right, where Saturn and Jupiter, our two largest planets, lined up in the night sky within a tenth of a degree of one another. Now, that's pretty amazing. But in theory... You could have been outside on that night. Okay, I know Joburg skies, we happened to have some cloud on that night, so that kind of put a damper on the evening. But in theory, you could have been outside. You could have even looked up to the stars. You could have been brying, and a number of times you could have looked up into the night sky, and you could have even gone, wow, what a beautiful evening. Shrugged your shoulders and carried on with whatever you were doing. Or... Or, if you knew what is happening that night, if you knew where to look, if you knew how rare and amazing this occasion was, if you were prepared with all your cameras and your camera stands and your binoculars if you have them, or your telescopes if you had them, man, you wouldn't have just looked up and gone around with your business, you would have looked and you would have stared, and you would have sought, and you would have really tried to get the most out of this incredible moment. And we need to do the same with Jesus. I mean, just like the one person can look up into the stars and go, oh, wow, what a beautiful night, and carry on going, and yet the other is really equipped to dig deep and to perceive the fullness of that moment. 
So we need to do the same with Jesus. If you believe, I I don't care who you are, how long you've been a Christian, how much you pray every day, how holy you think you are, if you think that you know all there is to know about Jesus, or if you think that you know all there is to know of Jesus, you're wrong. We're talking about an infinite God. I want to tell you that there is more to know about Jesus and there is more to know of him. And we need to start by seeking that and we need to start by asking God to enlighten the eyes of our hearts to give us greater and greater depth of insight so that we can truly behold and therefore truly be moved in our hearts and therefore truly worship him. Peter was asked by Jesus, who do you say I am? And Peter famously said, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Just a moment of clarity, a moment of revelation, a moment of insight, a moment that shifted Peter's entire view of who Jesus was. But Jesus said to him, he didn't say, well, Peter, you've clearly had good teachers. You've clearly got some good theology. He said, no, this was not revealed to you by man. But, but my Father in heaven. So let's really ask. Let's really ask that God does something in our hearts so that our Father in heaven can reveal Jesus to us in greater and greater degrees. So number one, we need to really ask. Number two, we need to really look. We need to really look. See, something happens to us when we become familiar with something. And when we become familiar with something, even something awesome or beautiful or powerful, we stop looking. The power that that thing has with us in order for us to go, wow, gets diluted over time. Think about movies and special effects. I know I referenced this movie about a year ago in church, but when I was a young sort of teenager, preteen, I watched the movie uh, Never Ending Story. And I remember being so moved by that movie, just the, the story and the fantasy of it, and just being brought into this world. About a year ago, we wanted to show our kids this movie, and so we watched it. And I remember watching the special effects now as an adult going, oh, wow. That really wasn't that great. It was maybe great back then, but for us today, it really pales in comparison. I didn't say that out loud. Didn't want to ruin it for my kids. Still a great story. Still a great movie. But think about the CGI effects we are exposed to. Think about what it takes for a movie to make us go, wow. (laughs) We're so bored by such brilliance all the time. And so how can we really look and really perceive? Well, I think this is where God's word comes into play. I mean, earlier I spoke about two people who look up into the night sky. One is moved and one is not moved. Well, what's the difference? Well, the one knew what to look for. The other didn't even know something amazing was happening. They saw the same events. All right. And so this is where God's word comes into play. This is where we learn to know what to look for. And so as we come to Christmas, maybe as we look with our eyes, we see a baby. And we go, wow, and we sing a few Christmas carols, but we really actually bored and we move on. Or we go to God's word, all right, and we see for us a child is born, to us a son is given. And we learn what it means that his government 
is on his shoulders, that he is sovereign, that he is in charge of the universe, that we can trust his government and his kingdom. And and what does it mean that he's a wonderful counselor? What does it mean he's a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace? And so we go to his word, we start to get an idea of what we need to look for, and then we look at Jesus. And then we go back to his word and we grow in our understanding of what we're looking at. And then we look at Jesus and we really look and we really look and then we start seeing these things in him. And then we start experiencing these things in him. And suddenly our two-dimensional Jesus has become a multi-dimensional experience of awe and wonder. I want you to imagine you get taken back in time. And you get shown this cute little baby boy, and, and you're just saying, oh, what a cute little baby. And then you get told somehow that, well, this is actually Adolf Hitler as a baby. Now he's still the same little baby, but now you begin to import everything you know about how the story ends. How does that change your feeling and your experience of that moment? What are some of the thoughts of fear or or compassion or pity or what if that come up in that moment. Some powerful, deep emotions. Or imagine on the other hand, it's a little baby girl and you get told, this is Mother Teresa. And again, you now get to import everything you know about Mother Teresa and how the story plays out and the difference she's going to make in this world. How does that change your perception of this baby? And we need to do the same thing. We need to look at the baby knowing the fullness of God that is represented in this baby. And as our minds have been enlarged by studying his word, we start to see these things in Jesus. And then we start to know these things in Jesus. We perceive them in greater and greater depths. The eyes of our hearts are enlightened and then our hearts are moved and we begin to worship him. I believe the greatest point of seeing is reached when we reach the point of self-forgetfulness. Think about some of the greatest moments of awe and wonder you've ever experienced. I mean, maybe you think you're an awesome person. But when you're standing on the edge of a mountain range, or when you're looking at a towering thundercloud coming your way, or when you experience some rare, incredible, beautiful sight, At that point, you're not thinking about how awesome you are. At that point in time, you're not thinking about yourself at all. So we need to do that with Jesus. We need to allow ourselves to be in awe. We need to surrender to the moment, not asking what's in it for me, but just perceive. Allow God to move our hearts so that we behold him and we glorify him. And so I believe we need to look at him until we're moved. We need to look until we're moved. Look until we're moved. Really look. And number three, we need to really worship. Imagine you're on a tour. And just for this analogy, it's, you're having a tour of the Grand Canyon. Now, I've never been there. Maybe some of you have had the privilege of being there. And so you're going from stop to stop. And every time you stop, you're being confronted with something that you actually are battling to take in with your mind. You're battling to take in with your heart. Again, you've tried a few photos, but they're just pale 
in comparison to the reality that's in front of you. And then you go to the next site and you're confronted with even a greater view. And then maybe you go into the canyon and you've got an even a greater perception and perspective of how small you are compared to the majesty of this natural phenomenon. But now imagine at every one of these points you notice that there's a young guy and he's just preoccupied with his social media feed. Wouldn't that frustrate you? He's in the presence of greatness. He's not looking at a picture book or or a DVD or, or something online. He's in the presence of greatness. And yet he cannot take it in. He's more interested in his social media feed than what is in front of him. I believe that one of the things getting in the way of our worship is this, is, is that we're not seeing. And, and even more so at Christmas time. We've heard these words so many times. We've sung the Christmas carols so many times. We've seen the Christmas cards so many times. We've heard the same sermon so many times. We know the story verbatim. And so we clap our hands have a good time in church, and we go back to our lives of distraction. So I believe we need to do this. We need to really ask, and we need to really look, and then we need to really, really worship because Jesus is worthy of our worship. If only we would see, if only we would really see. Think about the Apostle John. He was called the disciple that Jesus loved. Probably Jesus' closest human friend on earth while he was here. He saw more of Jesus than probably anyone else. He saw more of Jesus' majesty. Think about the transfiguration. He probably experienced more of Jesus' trauma and and tragedy on the cross just by being so close to him. He saw the crucifixion. He saw the resurrection. He experienced the resurrected Jesus. And, and yet, there was more of Jesus to see and more of Jesus to know. In the beginning of the book of Revelation, he sees the resurrected, glorified Jesus. And he falls down dead. So how do we get someone who walked with Jesus, saw his miracles, saw the resurrected Jesus, and still gets to a point where when he is actually able to see the glorified Jesus, he is so overwhelmed that he passes out, and you and I sing the same songs that are pointing to the same Jesus, and and we're like, when's this service going to end? I believe, again, it's because we're not seeing not seeing. So as we ask God to do something in our hearts, as we begin seeing, as we begin looking, as God allows us to see greater depths of who he is, he enlightens the eyes of our heart. We have to worship. We have to worship. We get to be in the presence of majesty and power and worship. Now, as I wrap up, I know that this has been an incredibly tough and difficult year. And maybe we want to stop seeing. We want to stop seeing the news. We want to stop seeing what's happening in our bank accounts. We want to stop seeing what's happening to people we know and we love. We want to stop seeing the world around us. We want to dig our heads in the sand. Or we want to take a, not a 48-hour nap, we want to take a 48-day nap. 
And I understand that. And I hope that you are well rested this season. And I pray that God does give you the rest that you so desire. But I think stopping to see is not the answer. I think we need to start to see. But to really see. To really see the king. To really see the government is on his shoulders. To really see the wonderful counselor and the mighty God and the everlasting father and the prince of peace. And to really see and to really look until we're moved and until we can move into doxology, until we can worship. That is my prayer for you. And so I do want to pray that for you. Father, we thank you that you reveal yourself to us in Jesus. And you don't want us to live these two-dimensional Christian religious lives. You desire for us to experience you and your son and your spirit in fullness. You desire that Christ lives in our hearts through faith. You want to reveal more and more of yourself to us. You want us to look at you and to know you and to experience you and for our hearts to be moved and to go, wow. So Father, we really ask, I really ask that you enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we can really know you. I really ask that we would really look and as we look, you are revealing a depth of understanding of who you are so that we begin to behold. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to really worship as we really see Jesus as Christmas. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wish you a wonderful Christmas season. God bless you.